Hi, and welcome to the world of sports. I'm Joey Mantia, Olympic speed skater and polar athlete, and you're listening to the Champions of Data podcast by Polar, where we talk about all things sports, fitness, and performance. We'll be chatting to some of the top athletes, coaches, and scientists in the sports world to bring you the best tips on how to train smarter and become the athlete you want to be. In this episode, we're diving into the world of coaching. Our guest today is triathlon coach, writer, and keynote speaker, Siri Lindley. Siri is a former champion triathlete herself, and she has won several titles, such as the ITU World Cup and the ITU World Championships. Siri has coached several Olympic and Ironman champions and continues to work with some of the top female triathletes on the planet, including names such as Miranda Carfrey. Today, Siri will be talking about the mental aspects of being an athlete and how she as a coach aims to help her athletes reach their full potential both mentally and physically. We'll hear about failing and success, finding the greatest strengths within, and building a successful coaching relationship. But to start, let's hear what makes Siri tick as a coach. Wow. What makes me tick as a coach? I would say I just have this incredibly deep passion to want to connect my athletes to their most powerful selves, to their greatest strengths, to being able to discover just how powerful they really are. And in doing that, it's so important to really know the athlete, get to know them as a human being, what drives them, what motivates them, what is their why behind taking on this sport at this level. And that part fascinates me because they're all so different. So for me, it's the challenge of wanting to year after year help my athletes find a way to tap into their full potential and to find more and to believe in more and to get them in a space where they're not only learning and growing and developing as an athlete, but they're, that they are this discovery of who they are and, and this discovery of their truth is something that creates an amazing experience in their lives. So there's a lot to be motivated about. And I love that. And that's what keeps me fired up about coaching, being in my uh, 16th year. Um, and I love it just as much today as I did when I first started. Siri has been coaching triathletes on a professional level ever since she finished with her own competitive career. How does her background as a professional athlete help with her coaching? So for me as an athlete, I had to, I had to fail a lot along the way to making it to the top. And the great part about that is that I realized that in failing or in falling short, that's when I would learn the most and that's when I would grow the most. And it, the whole experience from where I started at age 23, not knowing how to swim and falling in love with this sport of triathlon, deciding that nothing was going to stop me. I would do everything in my power to become the best in the world in this sport which was crazy considering I didn't know how to swim at 23, but I was, de I was determined. And I remember saying to myself, I don't care if I'm a hundred, I'm going to find a way to make this happen. And so I think the biggest thing I can offer as a coach is having been someone that set a goal that truly seemed impossible, not just to me, but it seemed impossible to everyone around me. It was kind of laughable to a lot of people um, but I was able to find a way to make that dream come true. And it meant failing often. My, my mantra became, I'm either winning or I'm learning. There was no such thing as losing because it was necessary for me to fail in order to learn and to, you know, find other ways of doing things. 
Um, so when I reached the top, I was ready to retire once I won the world championship because I found what I was looking for. And, and that basically, to make a long story short, was just a, a love and an appreciation for myself, which had been lacking for a lifetime. Um, but that I knew that as athletes and as human beings, we're, we're the biggest judges of ourselves. And I thought that after about six months, I'd start thinking, well, maybe it was luck. Maybe it was a fluke. Maybe I was just a one-shot wonder. And I didn't want to have to face those doubts. So I said to myself, I'm going to put together one more year where I can retire at number one in the world and prove to myself that I'm the real deal. Um, I was so ready to start coaching. So I did that. I retired at number the one in the world. I started coaching and it was the most unbelievably amazing thing I had ever experienced in my life. I wanted to share my failures. I knew I needed to be vulnerable and say, hey, I failed off and I was scared shitless. I was disappointed a lot. I made mistakes. I made a fool out of myself, but I made it to the top. And so I can always provide that story of hope that comes in a true story where the impossible dream really did come true. So as a coach, uh, I feel that my time as an athlete, I went through so that I could share this with my athletes and I could share this with human beings in general. Um, that hard work and believing in something and having a really emotional reason behind why you want to do this will lead you to doing whatever it takes to make it come true. And my job is to make it so that they can avoid a lot of the mistakes that I made and that I can kind of be there along the way to help push them in the right direction where they can come in contact with their most powerful and greatest selves. Um, it's a thrill. It's a privilege when an athlete comes to me with their dream, I remember how much that dream meant to me. And it's like, wow, this athlete wants me to help them achieve this dream. And that's a privilege and it's an honor and it's uh, my greatest joy. And I take that very seriously. And as much as I'm asking them to stretch and to grow and to get better every single day, I expect the same from myself. And I will never stop learning. I will never stop pushing myself and stretching myself because I want to be able to give them everything that I possibly can to help them make all their dreams come true. It's amazing. Series athletes live and train in different places all around the globe, and that puts some challenges to the relationship between the coach and the athlete. We asked her to share some of her thoughts on what it takes to make this kind of long distance coaching relationship work. A lot of my athletes are based in Europe or Australia, and we're not in together in person every single day. And to me, that's no excuse to not have an incredible partnership with your athlete. It means we are both responsible for communicating every single day. Um, the bonus of being in person with an athlete is that on any given day, we can make a change in our training plan and say, today, that's not the right thing to do. Today, we need to change it and we should do this instead. But we can make those same decisions when the athlete is away. And it just requires feeling comfortable enough and trusting in one another enough to communicate 
at any time through text, through email, through phone, and being able to stay vulnerable, stay honest, stay truthful, so that I know my finger's basically on your pulse, no matter where you are, what you're doing. So for any coaches, you know, if you think that you can't train an athlete unless they're in front of you, that's just ridiculous. It just takes more effort and it takes uh, a commitment on both parts. And and some creativity as well. I will often send my athletes, you know, exercises to do, written exercises. I'm big on, you know, figuring out what, what are limiting patterns that an individual athlete may be stuck in that is holding them back from being their best. And I will find ways to have them discover that on their own through an exercise that I may give them through an email. And they know that when I send them an exercise like that, that it's because it matters and it's going to make a difference. And they do it. And um, I think I feel really blessed that I have, or I know I feel really blessed that I've set up this high performance culture where my athletes know what I expect. And that is their full all in commitment to both of us being the best that we can be. And we can only do that if we ask each other questions, if we ask for what we need, if we ask for what we want, if we are honest about what scares us or what's holding us back or what we feel is missing from the other person. So that communication is everything. And it's me being able to share what I've learned along my road at any given time where I feel it can serve them with whatever space they're in at that moment. And it's a commitment. It's staying present. Uh, it's staying connected. And it's my wanting to give all I have, whether you are standing in front of me or a million miles away. One of the most interesting parts of a coach's job is creating a training plan. Have you ever wondered where the training plan starts or how the process actually works? Here's what Siri has to say about her programs. So my planning with my athletes, I really like to have a handle on what the next year is going to look like. So with each athlete, I will have them send me all the races that they dream of doing in the next year. Like what fires them up? What courses are they excited about doing? What races do they feel they need to do? They send me a list and I say, you can put a hundred races on that list if you want. Then what I'll do is I will take that list and from my perspective, as far as what the athlete's number one goal is, what they're trying to achieve and what's going to work best for them as far as um, optimal training blocks, optimal recovery time, the least amount of travel, or setting them up with the kinds of races that they need to become a better athlete. And I will then make three scenarios. I'll give them plan A, plan B, and plan C. Then I'll send those back. And it's basically my saying, you have three choices out of all that you gave me. And they're all different. And then Kaiser, for instance, will say, plan B looks good to me. And I'll say, okay, that's great. This is why I like plan B. And I explain, I like to have big training blocks with, you know, where you can come into a taper and go do a race and recover from the race, have a little mini break, and then get back into another big training block. Um, so there are reasons behind why I choose these three scenarios. And in my head, I need to know that all three can lead to their ultimate success. So then it comes down to what is your, what is your preference? What lights you up thinking about, you know, 
racing this schedule. Um, from there, once we have the schedule all set, I then create, because I need to do this for my own brain, basically the year plan of kind of what we're going to be focusing on, what we're going to be doing, how it will look as far as the intensity, how much volume we're doing. Um, and I have that in an Excel file, but then weekly I will write up their plan taking, and sometimes I'll nail it. Like the greatest thing in the world is if I have written out the year plan and we literally just follow it every week, it rarely happens, but when it does, I feel pretty happy, <laughs> pretty proud. But what happens, cause life is life and, um, you know, things happen and, and we may not recover as well as I hoped, or we may recover too well and we can be doing more. So I'm making adjustments on a weekly basis, depending upon what I feel is lacking, what needs more time, what needs more focus. And I make those changes on a weekly basis. Um, and we'll then kind of adjust the ultimate big picture plan as well. So for me, it's quite, quite an elaborate process. Um, what the athletes see is a weekly plan that comes up. Although I always encourage them, you know, ask me about why, why we're doing this, because I am so proud to know that every single thing that I give them has a purpose. You'll never get, if, if I don't have a reason for giving you something, it'll be blank. You'll have a day off at which there's a reason for that too. Um, but I love being asked why, because it's been a lot of years of learning and, and discovering and coming up with my philosophies and I get excited to share them. What I love about the Vantage is how they also have that perceived exertion that they take into account. And I love that because I do most of my coaching by perceived exertion. So I think that this is amazing because it's bringing the two together. It's bringing the data together, but allowing you to bring your, um, your thoughts about how hard you had to work to achieve those numbers. And I think that makes all the difference. And it's an incredible tool to have because I'm all perceived exertion. Like if you ask me, how do I coach? It's all perceived exertion and it's only watch that I know of that is taking that into account. Thank you, Siri, for sharing your thoughts. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Champions of Data Polar podcast. Next time, we'll be diving back into the world of recovery with Polar's very own recovery expert, Daniela Schaefer-Olstead. Thanks for being with us today. And if you like this episode, please go and subscribe and you'll be among the first to hear our top tips for training smarter straight from the athletes, coaches, and experts. Until next time, happy training.